Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's the 14th of February, 2023. February the 14th. So. Happy birthday! And you're saying to yourself, what? It's Valentine's Day. Yes, but for the first at least six years of my life, maybe maybe closer to seven, uh, I thought that this was just my sister's birthday. Because it is my sister's birthday. And I wasn't aware that all of the fuss everyone was making wasn't over her. So there you go. Tells you probably a little window into my early childhood. Uh, So, um, sweet Tiana, happy, happy birthday. And to everyone else, happy Valentine's Day. Um, Love abounds. And so we're going to open this morning with a verse um, from the Bible about love and invite each and every one of us to consider the reality of the love of God today and our, um, our response to the love of God. Be my encouragement today. On a day that the world is focused on a particular um, kind of love, we're going to focus on love writ large. So you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is the Faith Radio Network. Our Growing Your Faith verse for today is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these? is love. Faith, hope, and love. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the first letter to the, uh, to the Christians in the city of Corinth, so what we call First Corinthians, um, wrote this in the first century. He talks frequently about these themes of faith, hope, and love. So in the, uh, in the opening verse, or opening verses, it's like it's verse two, I'm thinking here. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse two, we see um, faith, hope, and love Again, this uh, this trio of themes appearing together in the way that Paul writes about things. So I want to read that verse um, as a part of this conversation this morning as well. So 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is uh, praying a prayer of thanksgiving to God the Father on behalf of his brothers and sisters in Christ in Thessalonica. And he is um, remembering before God. So, you know, it's like he's got them in his cupped hands, right? The way we talk about holding people up before the Lord. That's what Paul's talking about doing here. We constantly hold you up before the Lord. um, And we're remembering before God three things, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, faith, hope, and love. So these themes, which Paul returns to over and over again in his letters, um, now Paul has other themes that he likes to talk about as well. He talks about the centrality of the cross. He talks about uh, the reality of the resurrection. He talks about the law. He talks about freedom in Christ. He talks about the unity 
of uh, the body of believers or the church. So there are a lot of themes that Paul returns to over and over again in his letters. Faith, hope, and love are some of those themes. And faith might be um, likened to belief, but faith also has this characteristic of putting the full weight of your life, the full weight of who you are um, onto something, or in this case, someone. Um, and that's that's God or that's Christ, right? Like have faith in Christ. Um, and for Paul, faith has more to do with God and God's faithfulness, God's trustworthiness, God's attribute of faithfulness um, before it has anything to do with a movement on our part um, in terms of faith. Hope is um, far more substantial than um, some people tend to think about it. Like hope, as discussed in the New Testament, and as acknowledged by Paul in that verse um, in in First Thessalonians, it's the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a looking forward to the second coming. It is uh, it is hope in the ultimate triumph of God over all that is opposed to God. It is um, ultimate uh, hope in in God and God's ways. Um, it's about the triumph of God's goodness for those who put their faith in Christ. So there's a connection here between faith and hope. And then there's love. And love is this mini splintered thing that we're going to talk about today on Valentine's Day. But according to Paul, um, among the three, faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. Love is the greatest of the three. Um, and why is that? Well, because love is who God is. God is love. We've considered a lot of texts in the lead up to today in relationship to the love of God. So I encourage you to revisit some of those as you consider love on this uh, day that the culture is going to lift up a particular variety of love, a little bit of a candy heart, overpriced roses, trinkets of jewelry, expensive card kind of love. Um, But let us be people who love today with the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that others might put their faith and hope in him. Faith, hope, and love never come to an end. Amen, amen, and amen. Nick Pitts is going to join us next. We're going to pick up on this theme. We're going to talk a little bit about love and this Valentine's Day. We'll also talk about the spirit of the age as expressed in something called Mardi Gras, which is underway. And yes, 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 we are going to highlight headlines out of Asbury University where a revival, a revival is underway. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Nick Pitts is joining us now. We could talk about all kinds of things, but we're going to talk about love because, after all, he's not only a newlywed, but soon to be a new dad. Mm -hmm. He's an expectant father. I love that. I love the idea of an expectant father. Nick, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen, and happy Valentine's Day to all who celebrate. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Palentine's Day. Happy Galentine's Day. Um, it, It has multiplied, has it not? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Even my wife last night, she went to a Galentine's Day cookie swap. And so mm-hmm. they uh, 
um, these uh, uh, insistent on celebrating the different varieties of love in a way that would be straight to my heart, which is bringing home 48 cookies. And so I am all for her, supporting her uh, girlfriends and the love that they have for one another. And out of the overflow of that being the cookies that fill my stomach. So maybe there should have been like an, an on-air Twitter cookie tasting. Oh, yeah, that would you have know? been. That, that, that would have been something. But that, Some sort so of like that, cookie comparative thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a big... The more icing, the better the cookies. So great American cookie, <laughs> cookies, crumble cookies. That's my that's my jam. Are you a are you a chocolate chip classic? Are you ginger snap? What what are you working with? Okay, I, I like them all except for the ones that they like put weird jelly on or something. Like I don't know okay. why you would put some sticky substance on your like in addition to your cookie. I don't want a frosted cookie. I just want the cookie. I don't want anything on my cookie. But it's I'm oh. pretty up pretty up for anything that's in the cookie but not oh, on yeah. the cookie oh yeah mm-hmm. I, I completely agree it, and it can I, get kind of messy and sticky too it's yeah a, it's i feel the, the same gift. way about donuts i feel i mean you know like right i'm just sort of like either like a plain old-fashioned cake or a plain glazed i don't think that you should like fill it or cover it or anything i just yeah uh, kind of a purist very i i was with you on the cookie but then the donut now i'm beginning to think uh, <laughs> uh uh, that just means you and I could share a box of them. It would be fine. We would not be we would not be uh, longing for the same donut. It would be okay. I'm I'm actually just good with the donut hole. So there you go. Um, oh. So when we talk about the obsession that the culture has, though, with uh, with love and a certain variety of love, I'm wondering if if you just have some thoughts in terms of the the cultural tide um, related to this. Yeah, uh, let's let's look because I'm a stats guy. Let's let's look at the numbers really quickly. We're at record numbers right now. We're at near record numbers right now, I should say, for Americans and how much money they're willing to spend in this kind of potentially recession, inflationary era that we're living in right now. The average American is going to spend one hundred and ninety two dollars today to celebrate love. Uh, some will spend that on uh, on their significant other, but the growing majority will spend that on themselves. About twenty five percent right now, but that also points to a larger reality that, that people are getting married a little bit later in life. They're staying single a little bit longer, and right now there are more individuals that are there are more single adults here in the U.S. than there ever has been in the history of the American experiment right now that are consisting of American adults. And so we've, we've got an idea that people are looking for love and their love is not contingent upon another person, right? Because there, there's the new self-love that's coming, accepting of oneself. And there, I, I would always go back that love being the greatest of these is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is that, uh, uh, that it's that gem, it's that diadem that individuals are longing for and looking to find satisfaction in wherever they can find it right now. Uh, Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut, says that uh, gal and pal, uh, these are new terms to me. Are they new, Nick? They're pretty new. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Galentine's Day. I feel like Galentine's Day got started around uh, the Amy uh, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, kind of 2005, 2010, around yeah, that Yeah, didn't time. it grow out of a It grew out of a show, didn't it? Like Parks yeah. and Rec or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I... I, again, I think the individuals, I mean, I think that's probably one, when I was writing the daily briefing, that was 
pretty prevalent. Well, what we saw is that who knew that there were certain days every every day of the year to celebrate, right? There's like Mickey Day. There's <laughs> oh yeah, commercial building day. There's just a, and today. Today, by the way, is um, like Pet Theft Awareness Day. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess on Valentine's Day, for people who don't have a Valentine, they go and steal people's pets. I don't know. That yeah. seems like a terrible idea, but there you go. So be aware today of that trend in the culture as well. Nick, um, we got to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, I'd love to talk about the spirit of the age and maybe how the spirit of the age is expressed in um, in Mardi Gras, which is also underway. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Fly with me in an upside-down world. There's so many strange things to see. All right, we're talking with uh, Nick Pitts. Um, Nick is one of those guys who uh, very easily moves between um, the... The secular world, um, where he serves day to day in his occupation, um, and the world of faith, where he has uh, spent a lot of time in terms of bringing us cultural commentary uh, at thebriefing.net. He serves at the Institute for Global Engagement, um, and he's a generation younger than me, which I find particularly helpful in terms of his insight. Um, uh, Nick, let's talk a little bit about Mardi Gras. I don't have a particular headline to point to here. I just know that it's underway, and I know that um, the, there's an undercurrent in the culture that sort of moves with the tide of Mardi Gras, and I just want to maybe awaken people to that if they're not living in a place where, um, you know, <clears throat> Mardi Gras is, you know, lit- literally an on-the-street celebration. Yeah, I think it was, I thought it was so illuminating. Let's go all the way back. And I know most people don't want to go back. So I promise we'll only be on memory lane for two seconds. Let's go all the way back to 2020. The beginning of 2020, (laughs) we're starting to see all of these shutdowns that are happening. There are races that are being canceled. Sports, uh, sports games are being canceled. Concerts are being canceled, but yet there's still a strong desire for one event to continue on, which is Mardi Gras, right? I think that with that testament three years ago was a testament to the power that Mardi Gras has on those that would celebrate and those that would come together. Mardi Gras is, that, is the carnival celebration, right? It literally means Fat Tuesday, and it's become associated with and richly enshrined in this idea of just celebrating, of just celebrating with people, of coming together and, and eating rich, fatty foods, uh, before the Lenten sacrifices uh, begin to take place, right? And there's a little bit of Catholic origin that we find in Mardi Gras, but it really is this understanding of everyone coming together and celebrating in a variety of different festivals and parades, coming together to celebrate life and spring and the newness that can come from it. Um, but in most places, it's pretty debaucherous. 
Uh, and oh, yeah. I know, I mean, like, so it's not just confined to New Orleans. Like, I think there are people who imagine that, oh, you know, Mardi Gras is just this thing that happens in New Orleans. No, I mean, if you Google it, my guess is there's a Mardi Gras um, parade or ball or event in your town this weekend. Um, oh, yeah. there, there, is, there is in mine, like the entire city where I live is going to be converted into a Mardi Gras event this, this particular weekend. Um, and when we, when we think about carnival in, um, in Brazil, we're also thinking about this spirit of Mardi Gras. When we think about, um, Gasparilla in Tampa, Florida, we're thinking about the spirit of Mardi Gras. There's this debaucherous, uh, thing happening and it's this undercurrent in the culture and it's it is a celebration of life and spring and all of those wonderful things but in in the way that it's presented in the culture it's pretty nasty i mean at least oh, that's yeah. my opinion i i think one of the elements that just makes it nasty is that it, it it fails to account that the fact that we all have to give an account right mm. it kind of blocks mm. off it blocks off the reality that we're all going to have to give give an account for how we spend our days at the end of days and um, it just is uh, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow may never come kind of mantra, uh, this hedonistic principle of just getting the most out of the moment. Um, and and you're right. I mean, it's not just that there are Mardi Gras celebrations that are happening all over the world. It's that even what happens in New Orleans is shipped out. Um, like who, who, who among us, I'm, I'm sure there are many listeners. I know that there is a king cake from New Orleans that is sitting on my counter right now. Um, as it was, it was sent by a friend in New Orleans in anticipation of the celebration that's going to be happening. Um, and there's even a, you're, sp- you're spreading it along, right. With whoever, uh, gets the, the little child in the cake has to send off. Right. And so there's just this, this bent to one of these rituals that have been formed and shared in traditions that have come sprung from it and really has uh, deviated pretty far from what is originally intended. Yeah. Um, All right. I want to pivot quickly to what we are observing at Asbury University in Kentucky. Um, Again, this morning, if you were to just type type into your Google search engine there, Asbury, A-S-B-U-R-Y, you are going to get headlines uh, from Christianity Today. Asbury professor says we're witnessing a surprising work of God. Um, W-K-Y-T, which is uh, an affiliate in um, in. Eastern Kentucky. Days-long spontaneous revival continues at Kentucky University. Baptist Press uh, reporting yesterday, revival fires stir again at Asbury. On and on and on and on and on. This has been going on now um, for more than a week. Um, what, what are your observations about the potential, the potential um, that we're witnessing the beginning of a revival at Asbury University? It is. I, I don't know about you, but one of my life goals is to want to be a part of a miracle. And I, when I think about what ha- what's happening at Asbury right now, I mean, it just it gives me even tingles just even thinking about. I want to highly recommend the reporting that's out of uh, Kentucky today. Chip Hutchinson, great friend, actually sent me an email last night uh, because he and his team at Kentucky Today went went there yesterday to report on what's happening. And he and I, I've known Chip for years. I I was I was so struck by what he was sharing about what's happening there, the spirit of God moving, the palpable sense that Aslan is on the move there. I don't know how long it could last, but I'm praying that it not only lasts more days, but I'm praying that it spreads across this world, that individuals are awakened to the closeness and the goodness of God, and that, that we begin to taste and to see and to know that he's good um, and that he's, and, and he's worth staking your life on. 
Okay, will you connect us with your friend? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm that he, he could come on and talk with us? We would love that. That'd it, be so great. It, uh, I, he's got a great, there was a great line that was used in one of his articles last night. It's not how high you feel, but it's how straight you walk afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. and, and that was such a, it, again, it's, it's, it's one of those five markers that uh, Jonathan Owen talks about with the true work of the spirit of one convicting of truth, one raising the esteem of Jesus, but then walking in light of that truth as well. It's just, it, it's remarkable what we're hearing and what we're seeing right now over the past week. And I'm praying that it not only continues, but it spreads as well. Okay. The five standards of, you said that really fast and all of us are oh. not totally up to speed. The five oh, yeah, standards yeah. of what? Like we need, okay, so, we need to, that oh, list. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Owen has this has this phrasing that he says are the true marks of the Spirit that he wrote, and he identified the five marks. It's raising the esteem of Jesus. It's operating against Satan and discouraging sin. It's causing people to have a greater hunger for the Word. It convicts of truth, and it creates a spirit of love toward God and man. It's hey, this, that is it's, so good. It's a, a just a richness of us fully encompassing ourselves and realizing that the God of the universe not only loves us deeply, but it cherishes us and wants to lavish us with his love as we seek to walk in the fullness of life that he died to give us. And in that, we, uh, we know personal revival, and, um, and through personal revival, the, the potential for cultural revival like exists, um, and, and a revival of the church, and wouldn't it be exciting for one of those to be taking place in our, in our generation in the days in which we live? We've certainly all been praying for it, and it's possible, it's just possible that we're witnessing um, you know, the flickering of a flame of it at Asbury University. So thank you so much, Nick, for, as always, um, bringing us such a joyful uh, expression of the faith. Um, thank you for having your finger on the pulse of things that are happening in the culture. Um, and thank you in advance for connecting us with Chip. We'd love to have him on as well. That'd be awesome. Deal. Yeah, love that. All right, that's Nick Pitts. Um, we want you to reach out in love and affection today uh, in the spirit of Christ to others, um, that you would be convicted of truth, that you would raise the standard of Jesus high, that you would operate against um, Satan, that you would be hungering for the word, and that there would be an expression of God's love through you back to God and then outward toward the world that he so loves. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, topping the news this morning in America, um, you know, is actually sadly not the good news out of Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, but terrible news out of uh, Michigan State University. A gunman entered publicly accessible buildings yesterday, um, including the student union, opened fire, killing three people, sending five others to the hospital in uh, critical condition, eventually killing himself. Um, This 43-year-old man, not a student, not an employee, had no known affiliation with Michigan State. Students uh, report remaining in absolute silence and pitch darkness for more than four hours during the active shooter event across their campus. 
um, let's be praying today for those students, um, that community, those parents. Let's be um, praying today for um, the those for whom this will um, remind them of events uh, that they have been a part of in the past, um, and for those who live in fear of it happening, you know, where they are. And so um, I just want this to be one of our prayer concerns today. Um, on another front, the U.S. State Department has issued a warning to Americans in Russia um, telling them to leave and issuing a do not travel alert um, via um, via the State Department's um, services yesterday, the way that they broadcast their concerns to the world via um, via both their text line and um, and online uh, portals. Here was the message that uh, was extended to everyone with documentation to travel to Russia um, and those in Russia. Do not travel to Russia due to the unpredictable consequence, uh, consequences of the unprovoked full-scale invasion of Ukraine by Russian military forces, the potential for harassment in the uh, singling out of U.S. citizens for detention by the Russian government uh, security officials, arbitrary enforcement of local laws, limited flights into and out of Russia, and the embassy's limited ability to assist U.S. citizens in Russia, the possibility of terrorism. Um, it goes on. Um, it's uh, pretty scary in terms of the language that the State Department is willing to use in warning the citizens of the United States of America to get out of Russia if currently there and not to go there um, if you had travel plans uh, to do so. That is a pretty good indication um, of what the United States uh, thinks is not only going to continue to happen in relationship to uh, the ongoing <clears throat> war uh, that Russia is exercising against the people of Ukraine, um, but the anniversary coming up on the 24th when an escalation is expected. Um, news from inside Russia is that um, prisoners are now being conscripted into service in uh, in the armed forces. And so those who have been in prison in Russia are, um, are now going to be soldiers, at least at some level. Um, so there's a lot going on. Um, in terms of that front, um, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk with Luke Moon about what is going on in Turkey and Syria in the aftermath of the world-changing, and it's more than devastating, world-changing earthquake that has taken place there. Um, yes, a handful of rescues continue, even uh, 200 hours now after uh, the quake, but um, but the death toll is rising dramatically. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around. Luke Moon is back with us. Uh, You know him from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. You can uh, visit with him at philosproject.org. Luke, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here. Um. Yeah, I, I, you have been to the places that we have been um, watching and reading about in the headline news. So um, I think I just want to give you the opportunity to talk about um, the events in southern Turkey and northern Syria. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, you know, devastating the the impact of such a massive earthquake in that area, 7.8, and then it was followed by a separate earthquake, not an aftershock of 7.6. 
And that, you know, those two in and of itself is just utterly devastating. And then, you know, on top of that, um, you know, it, when when buildings were already, you know, on on the verge, then it became much, it just became much worse. Plus, it's wintertime. Uh, there's snow on the ground. It's raining. It's it's cold. I think a lot of people expect, yeah, you know, because it's the it's the Middle East, you know, it, and it looks like a desert most of the time. Oh, it's going to be warm. And the fact it's it's actually, you know, Israel's on the same latitude of North Carolina. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's it's hard to imagine that. But it means that, you know, any, you know, Turkey being north of that means it's probably on the latitude of like New York. And that's it's cold. Um, and, you know, the estimate is that thirty five thousand people have died so far. Uh, likely the double. I, I couldn't anticipate it even going significantly higher from there. Um and it's just a really uh, difficult time. I don't know, Carmen, if you've ever been in an earthquake before, but I was in a 5.6 in Hawaii uh, back, I don't know, it's been a long time. But when I when I started seeing the news, I actually couldn't watch the videos because it would make my hands sweat. It would make me nervous. I was like, wow, I didn't know I had PTSD from that. But I mean, it was like, you know, happened at like nine o'clock on a Sunday morning and I was laying in bed. Uh, my daughter was, was, uh, had, Meredith had picked up and put my daughter who was about one years old at the time next to me. And, and the earthquake started, I grabbed the mattress and pulled it over the both of us pulled off the bed and and everything emptied out of the cap out of the cupboards everything that was where tile met tile turned to dust and mm. it was terrifying and i i remember that experience like it's in my core and that was a 5.6 right and so this is you know uh, on the Richter scale, two two more, and and my understanding is that that is those those increases are are not just you know like ten times more. It's like significantly more. Yeah, so there's so, a reason we call it a magnitude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. devastating. And so it's I I, I mean, there's going to be trauma for I mean, just the sheer loss of life is massive. There's going to be ongoing trauma. I mean, like I said, like I I, I couldn't watch it. And that's unusual yeah. for me, Carmen. I I'm I, I don't think I have PTSD from anything else in my life, and I've done some really crazy things. But that was it was weird. It's like earthquakes. You have, you know, if there's a fire, you feel like you can run from it. If there's, yeah, there's an you know, yeah. I mean, this the only thing that you can do is get out of get out of your house as fast as you can. But if you live in a um, in a multi level apartment building and you and you want to go grab your kids. By the time you yeah. go grab your kids and head for the door, it's too late. And, it's over. And, and, yeah, it's a, it's over. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that when um, when people who don't live in earthquake prone regions of the world, um, which you know maybe you want to look at a map and find out, because um, there may be a fault line closer to you than you think, um, they're totally unpredictable. Um, and and the construction, uh, you know, construction matters. Population density matters. Um, uh, you know, and all of those things. And there's going to be lots of conversation about all of that. Um, but I think that from one of my questions that I have specifically for you, Luke, is I, I'm not sure that everyone, um, understands why so little help got to the people of Northeastern Syria, 
um, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of help arrived for the people of Turkey. Um, it arrived quickly. It arrived on a massive scale, more than 100 countries. Um, it, and and that's where the survivors are mostly being pulled from. Um, the people in northeastern Syria, I mean, help still hasn't arrived. I mean, I, I don't even know how right. to describe right. how abandoned they are. Can you talk about why why aid cannot get to those people? Well, it's because it's it's considered one of those uh, like an autonomous zone. So there's, you know, the, the Syrian civil war has not ended. There are still pockets from the Syrian civil war where uh, that are uh, controlled by other forces, uh, other groups. They're not they're neither the Assad regime, but they were also not uh, aligned with Turkey. So they were like basically the I mean, they were the enemies of both Turkey and the Assad regime in Syria. And so not only were they was aid not getting there but it wasn't even allowed to and then there there was actually drone strikes after the after the earthquake this last week uh against uh some of the groups that were uh against turkey and 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 the assad regime it's it's like you know it's one of those like never miss an opportunity to you know stick it in the eye of somebody else that's exact i mean that's what they i don't know that's a mm-hmm. saying anybody has but it's it's really it's a lucism we'll happens, take it right? mm-hmm. you know yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's it's just um now mind you i i have to you know those those uh buildings in that air those areas tend to be um they're they're single story uh, buildings, uh, concrete, uh, you know, reinforced concrete. It's my, my sense is that like they, you know, they, they probably didn't endure as significant a violent shaking as the, you know, there were some, I mean, there were sizable cities of like hundreds of thousands of people in, in near the epicenter of this. And so, you know, obviously, the further away you get, the, the lighter it is. But also, you know, if you're in a single structure house, um, it's you're you're a lot safer. And that's probably the majority yeah. of the people in those areas uh, are in that kind of environment. And so it's I mean, it's um, the Assad regime was not helpful either. I mean, just, you know, they're they're also reeling from just you know the a decade of civil war right it's mm. not this is it, it's it's an area of you know that's also uh mountainous it's hard to get to um and it's you know it's it's going to have a ripple effect one of the things that i i you know is is always interesting to me is that you know a situation like this a, an event like this it has it has not only international repercussions, but like the I, I read that like an earthquake of this magnitude has not hit in this area since fifteen uh, thirteen, right? Mm-hmm. And think of like what was going on, you know, in the Ottoman Empire, you know, in fifteen thirteen, and and how a major earthquake impacted them. But it was also there was a there was a book I remember uh, from. And there was a there was some Chinese explorers in 1421 that were going to basically they they were going to circumnavigate the globe. They set out um, and and they didn't get very far. And there was a major earthquake in China and the Chinese uh, emperor 
saw it as a sign that they were not supposed to go any further. And so hmm. they turned around and burned the ships to the ground, burned all the records that 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 thing ever that trip ever happened. And and it was like, uh, you know, who, who knows? It would be like the Chinese could have been the first, you know, Columbus or Magellan. Right. But instead there was an earthquake. And so they just didn't do it. And yeah, like think of the, the way the world uh, is shaped by by events like this. It will it will really it will shape the world. I mean, there's elections coming up in Turkey uh, in June. Uh, there's there's talk that you know Erdogan might postpone those elections, but you know it's it, you know it's like uh, Katrina uh, under the Bush administration, right? Like yeah. it just kind of like was always in the background, and he could not he couldn't sh- he couldn't shake even though he was not responsible for you know building codes in New Orleans. It's you know it, and it was it still hung on him on bush like you know in a in a and and pulled them down a little bit yeah right yeah you you couldn't see that impact here in 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 turkey as well on erdogan yeah people can't separate those things in their minds yeah i think that's i think that's reasonable um i do want you when we come back from a very brief break um to to share with folks about um a place that you took me to visit when we were in israel um because there is help um, for the people of Syria in in places and by unexpected sources, um, and I would I would love for you to share one of those good news stories. Could we do that in just a moment? Sure. Sure. All right. So when we come back, Luke is going to take us underground into um, into an Israeli hospital on the Syrian border. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the Book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament. We see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. February 16th. 2013. So in two days, this will have happened 10 years ago. But on February 16, 2013, a convoy of IDF ambulances unloaded seven patients into an emergency room. Um, What is significant about this is that the patients were Syrian and the hospital is in Israel. Um, Talk talk with us about um, these Israeli hospitals that are literally underground. And this one in particular 
where um, Syrians are are served. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, that was a significant event. Uh, you know, it was it was unlikely, right? I mean, there's Israel has these electric fences that kind of separate Israel from their neighbors. Uh, they're not electric, as in like will shock you, but electric, as in they'll let you they'll, they'll let the authorities know something touched the fence. And there was uh, the the first one was there was a uh, a rug that had been thrown over the fence, and it was a, inside the rug was a person a, a Syrian who had been injured, and so they radioed their supervisors and asked what do we do, and they said take him to the hospital, and so they took this Syrian to the hospital, saved his life, um, and more word got out and more and more uh syrians started uh basically arriving at the border of israel severely wounded uh and being thrown over the fence and it got to the point where israel began to basically open the fence and worked out a relationship with the the fighters on the other side and would take uh women and children uh even fighters themselves uh to a hospital the hospital that we went to uh carmen uh was was uh on the basically north uh i feel like we were in the i feel like we were in the golan heights when we when we went there we went to yeah we went okay we went to zip we we were in um yeah, we were in a it's spot, which is a you know town up in northern Galilee, uh, and it was it it it's incredible to me that you know here is is Israel who's at who and and Syria are basically still at a, you know still at war. They have you know there's not there's not a peace treaty. There's an there's kind of an armistice, and and here are Israeli doctors who are saving the lives of of these Syrians and but the reason got- the reason you didn't know for sure which hospital we went to is because it's not the only one Ziv's not the yeah. only one like right we yeah. might have been yeah. at a hospital on the Lebanese border yeah and it, yeah and it was it's the incredible extraordinary thing about it was that you know to me there's this I remember the doctors talking to us in which uh, he said he said who you know he was an Arab uh, Palestinian Israeli doctor and he said you know the 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 rule. Our rule is uh, is Adam, Adam, Adam. A man is a man is a man, right? Like it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from, what your religion is, what your background is. You're a human being, and by that rule, we will help you. And it's actually a it's actually a law within it within the within Israel that anybody who is injured within the boundaries of Israel is required to be taken care of and that that's you know that's you know that that to me it's one of those things where uh it, it shows the values of nations one of those one of those questions is like how do they treat uh how do they treat their enemies when their enemies are in need right and and i think that was that was evidence of that and we watch you know i think you know the the I don't remember exactly who we talked to because I took a bunch of groups to Ziv Hospital. <laughs> it's okay, but but there, I mean, we would we would talk with 
people who were like proper i mean they were fighters they were they mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. You know, basically um members of al-qaeda or members of al-nusra front or members of you know some other what we would call an like an and an, a terrorist organization and here they were in an israeli hospital being you know with you know being uh i mean you know there was I- I remember one of the doctors I remember one of the doctors saying to us Luke um I mean you know he's obviously not a Christian right he is he has all the things that you just described um and uh and I remember him uh, kind of sm- smiling and saying this well I mean isn't it the Christian thing to do I mean like when when asked like why are you doing this he's kind of like smirks and says well I mean isn't this the Christian thing to do um yeah. so I do think that it there are these good news stories that are happening um, outside of what the secular media is often reporting on. And you don't want to put at risk what's happening either by broadcasting it too, um, maybe too widely. But I do think everybody in the world knows um, that this is happening and that Israel is providing um, these life-saving and even rehabilitative services. I mean, they take on the full cost of the care of these people um, who uh, who come from across the border um, not only from across the border in Syria, but also in Lebanon. And um, so I just wanted to highlight that as part of the conversation today. Um, thank you, as always, so much for being with us. Um, and uh, we, we're going to want more info from you about what you know is happening on the ground as the you know we move from um, rescue to recovery and then to rebuilding, um, particularly in northeastern Syria. So uh, plan to brief us in on that next time. Absolutely. Yeah, we love that. That's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We'll be right back. All right. uh, Thank you to those of you on the text line this morning. Remember, the text line is always available. You can communicate with me there, 877-933-2484. Thank you for those of you praying this morning um, to fan the flame of revival. Thank you for those of you asking questions and engaging uh, and those saying, hey, why haven't we talked about Ohio yet and what's going on uh, in East Palatine, Ohio? Yep, that is going to lead our conversation in the next hour. We do have another hour of Mornings with Carmen. Um, if you haven't already downloaded the Faith Radio app, I'm going to encourage you to do that today um, because sometimes radio signals fail for whatever reason. But um, but the app pretty much available all the time everywhere. We got another hour up next. Oh, I have another minute to talk. Look at that. <laughs> Whoa. All right. What can Carmen do in 60 seconds? Let me say this. Um, the love of God is from everlasting to everlasting. And so on this Valentine's Day, let me encourage you to receive the love of God that he sends forth in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so let me ask you on this Valentine's Day, Have you received the good gift of God's love in Jesus Christ? Like he has sent it out in the most extravagant of forms. I mean, himself. He sends you himself today, wrapped in human flesh. Would you receive him? We got another hour up next. 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.